0: Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week is Mr. Chainsaw.
1: His name is David Anthony, and he is the intern at As You Were, a podcast. About alkaline Trio. I'm Tim Crisp, your host, a uh, person that talks normally uh with inflections that no, oh, no, I'm doing the thing. Ah, uh, look at what you've done. Look at what you've done. Hey, welcome to As You Were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Hey, I'm here with my friend David Anthony. My name is Tim Crisp, aka, AKA Senior Chainsaw. Senior Chainsaw. I'm here with Monsieur Chainsaw. Chainsaw. And um, hey, we're here to talk about an Alkaline Trio song.
0: I can't believe we're here to do that. It's crazy. never done it before.
1: Never, never done it before, and this will probably be the last time that we do it. Yeah, That's I can't imagine
0: why we'd keep going.
1: Not true. I hope this never ends. Well, we have a hard cut off, eventually. Well, I my hope is that they decide to make a rock opera. Ooh, in yes. twenty nineteen
0: just so that we can keep going. Are you familiar with the band Therion? No. They recently, they're a terrible band, uh-huh. metal band, like yeah. power metal band. They just released a three-hour rock opera that is apparently unlistenable. Uh, I heard like half of one song. Yeah. And it's probably one of the worst things I've ever heard, which puts a lot of my critiques of any other band into perspective.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, i I know I'm going to date myself a little bit, but Since we, uh, we post-date these episodes, but in, in terms of rock operas, oh, somebody boy. just followed a rock opera with a really, really bad
0: record. Are you talking about uh, Jimmy Buffett? I love a Jimmy Buffett rock <laughs> opera.
1: Hey, but come on. We're here to talk about... The a, one and only. A, a, normal, a normal album.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> who would have thought? Who would have thought such a thing?
1: So... We're here to talk about Mr. Chainsaw, which is the second track on the Alkaline Trio's uh, debut for Vagrant Records, their third LP from Here to Infirmary. Mm hmm. Released in April of 2001. April of 2001. Sounds right to me. We'll go with it.
0: <laughs> maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe um, I'm crazy.
1: You know, at the beginning, I was like, I was looking pretty hard on the Wikipedia, but then I realized that I got a friggin'. I got a good. I got a good intern here. Yes, Stack guy yes, dance yes. here. Anyway, so one of the things that I, I really like about this song and this song in particular on this record mm-hmm. is that man, track two. It's not like it's it's an established role for what are, for a record, but track two in a lot of ways can carry a really really a really good weight for the sequencing and for establishing what a record is.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I do think that's a valid point in the, in the sense of like track one is always going to be kind of a banger for a band like this. It kind of needs to be. Right. And, and I can't think of a record that really deviates from that.
1: Well, you do have like the uh, kind of like the, the prelude. Of a track one, but sure, in sense, sure. In in essence, like then track two kind of functions as the track as track one. one. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: like if you're AFI, track one is always like a forty-five second, I don't know, like chamber pop bullshit about we live in darkness and the darkness is our home. Uh-huh, uh, but uh-huh. this is not that. Whereas like the the first song on this record is Private Eye, which is banger. Banger, Um, you know, a a good single. Yes, and then start things off. And then you kind of have to pivot to show, like, all right, are we going to continue that momentum? Are we deviating from that? Is you know, what what is the actual thesis here? And Mister Chainsaw really lays down. It's like, oh, we're just we are going to keep kind of trying to write bangers here.
1: Yeah, we're going to keep trying to write bangers here. But what I think it does really, really well for. From here to infirmary is that it kind of lays the groundwork for like what this record is going to be focused upon, and I think from here to infirmary, in opposition of the two records prior, which were you know pretty sp- specific and you know pretty dark, from here to infirmary kind of takes that and sets it on a scale that's like, all right, we've got a little, we got our sights set a little bit bigger mm-hmm. here. We're gonna sure. try, we're gonna try and hit, and I think Mr. Chainsaw does a really good job of being like. This is an Alkaline Trio song that is
0: for the Alkaline Trio fans and for
1: all the new people that are coming to the Vagrant America tour. (sighs)
0: Totally, totally. I mean, it's definitely a record that is like, this is the one they're trying to push, you know, where it's like a lot of the weirder stuff and a lot of the really on its face kind of like, I'm just... Singing about riding my bike in the wind—that's uh-huh. not really here anymore. This is a much more like I'm trying to say something. I'm trying to be clever. I'm trying to kind of tap into a demo that is has really kind of come to light in the past couple of years. Right, exactly.
1: This is, uh, you know, if you want to be cynical, it's a little bit of a cash in. From my standpoint. I really like this song, and and I really like this song, and I think it's a little bit funny that I don't like this record very much, and I don't yeah. really like what this record does, but I think that this song kind of like lays things out in a really, really nice, clean way. And then it does hit a point where it's like, all right, not only am I going to be clever, but I'm going to do a thing that... Kind of eradicates all of my cleverness (laughs) previous. Sure. I (laughs) mean, we'll get to that.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think this record really encapsulates what this record is. Like you were saying, like it kind of has Matt just laying it on thick. Uh huh. You know, really, I think, overreaching and kind of underreaching at the same time with like metaphors and wordplay. Yeah. But the song itself, like at its core, is like pretty fun. It's a really, really fun song. You know, I when, when I was 11 years old, I loved the shit out of this song uh-huh. because it was just super fun, and it's kind of just like a pileup of words and ideas and thoughts. And I think Matt's delivery is really good. Yeah. Um. Now I think it's a little easier to be like, what What is any of this about? But uh-huh. but you know, it's like. Who is Mr. Chainsaw? Why is this the name of the song? This is about writing song. Like, what are we? Where are we? in right. time and space. Uh huh.
1: Well, I guess it's interesting, and you know, we can go back to to what you did like about it. But this is maybe one of the first times that you've been on the side that I'm usually on. Where yeah, I'm like you're. We're having the Armageddon kind of debate we right are. now. Where I like this song, and I like what it does, and I sort of like the uh, the scope that it has to it. And you're looking at it, and you're, like, not
0: buying it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the issue I have with it more so stems from, like, really liking it for a period of time. Uh-huh. And then it's always kind of felt more shunted off to me. Like, I think people really like this song, but I think the band, like, doesn't really play this song ever. Uh-huh. Very rarely did in support of it. And, like, there's a lot of things I like on it, but... You Know, I, I really like Mike's drumming with like da da da, like kind of hitting yeah, the top, totally. and like it, a little more stop, starty injected in it. But when I listen to it, it always starts, and I'm like, Oh, this is fun! Like, uh-huh. I love Dan's bass playing on it. Like, oh, I really so love the yeah. start of this song, but it's a song that's all forward momentum. That by the end of it, I feel just kind of like loses steam. Uh uh-huh. It's 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 by no means a bad song to me, it's a right. song like. If I do see them play it, I'm like, oh, cool, Mr. Chainsaw. It's uh-huh. dumb and it's fun sing along. But when that record comes on, it definitely just is one of the songs that feels like it kind of they they had an idea. I feel like Chloe feels like they had uh-huh. an idea, and by the end, they're just kind of like running on empty
1: with it. Maybe they get to they get to a point where it's just like, man, how do we? How do we close this one out? It's gone at this pace for the entire time, right? And it's like it's you have those like open spaces, those chords that hang out, and that's kind of where Matt like delivers what functions as the chorus. Really, is like everything that you could never say, and yeah, that part. And know, I really love that. Uh huh. You know, but it's right since it since it starts at this pace and. It maintains it through the verse, mm-hmm. and then the chorus. Like really, that's all it can do is to let notes ring out, and but it still keeps that beat.
0: Yeah, and and, and I like all of that, but it's just when we're, you know, I think when well, I.
1: You, but you you don't though, because you think it runs yeah. out of it runs well, out of gas.
0: Well, I I like it up to a point. Uh huh. And I think part of that is this is really like probably the. This feels like the most lyric Skiba has in a song because uh-huh. it's just like, uh, uh, metaphor. Keep it going. Right. Fucking, what right, does that right. just mean? And when I was younger, it was more intriguing to me because I felt like I had to read into it, and I uh-huh. tried really hard to read into it. Right. And there was just nothing there. You know, right. it. It to me, this feels like one of those songs where it's like, uh, you know, the hammer and two nails to your drums, and just like all these like very like graphic type metaphors but they don't really mean much to me right and by the end when he's just like yeah fuck it we're just singing about growing up and it's just kind of like dude, yeah. like right. if you if would have committed uh-huh. a little bit more i think i would be more forgiving uh-huh it. well let's talk about that part because
1: i feel <laughs> like it's just gonna hang over it's it's really it's really dumb yeah that he does that and I, it's like it's looking back on it with sort of the lens that you have of just being like, I love this song when I was younger. Now I don't like, this is the reason that you don't is because mm. <laughs> yeah, that's why he, does, he just spells it out in a way. That's like the, I feel like the idea of doing that is to kind of, kind of flip the bird a little bit to just yes. be like, yeah, you see what I'm doing here? Like, I don't really, care not not i don't really care but it's just like it's like all right well i'm gonna be a little bit meta here i'm gonna point out the uh the the structure i'm gonna like kind of put the idea of of song like out there and like Mm -hmm. and poke at it a little bit and it's like yeah like okay we get it we get irony and we understand like we understand like meta listening and meta watching and all that like you're not really pointing out anything that that's that's that clever Totally. by saying, in case you're wondering, I'm singing, bow, curl,
0: Yeah. And it's funny that we are on the opposite side of this, especially with a song like Armageddon, where I like his use of that with, like, I wrote the words to the song on the back of a photograph. By right. Back, because that's literally what the back of a photograph is. Uh-huh. You know, like, I kind of like that because I'm like, oh, that's, like, a more interesting observation to me. And I, I like it when bands really approach the process of being a band. Wait a minute. Behind your back,
1: like the back of the photograph.
0: Yeah. Whoa. Um, But with this one, I feel like, you know, he's kind of talking about, even some of these thinly veiled metaphors are like kind of about writing being in a band trying to do the thing whatever yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then at the end of this have you spelled out like i like there's days where i think it's kind of clever to just be like you're not gonna like in case you don't know what the fuck we're saying i'm just gonna tell you right because you're dumb well, or whatever right yeah, yeah
1: it does have like it does have a nice melodic line to it mm-hmm. it fits with the guitar part i remember being young and hearing it and liking the first half of it, but then the we're singing when Dan comes in. That's when I was like, "Come on, that's not cool." I mean, there's also <laughs> yeah. that part of it right. too. You know, I I think it happened. I respect that they committed to it. Sure, but I guess it's interesting to me to to look at to look at the the problems that you have with it with the wordplay and finding it to be so empty and like you said it works for you sometimes yeah and it's not working for you this time yeah and for me it works this time and i can't i guess i can't really explain why in particular because there's there is a little bit of emptiness to it and when you when you look at this song what it is really it's 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 line after line that's really the only commitment that each line has is to follow the one that came before it it's sure. not necessarily about a thing although there is a little bit of a story going on in here i feel like he's he's yeah kind of taking pieces of different people and portraying it as one
0: i mean this definitely of all the songs on the record and it really feels the most like matt had a notebook full of phrases he liked yeah and just kind of strung them together in verses that were vaguely coherent, yeah, and to me it o- has always felt like Patient Zero of the thing I would grow to really dislike, right? In the later period of just uh-huh. committing to a premise that is just bad yeah, and just laying really. it on so thick that I'm like, oh my, just like for the love of God, stop! Uh huh. And again, I don't really feel that with this one. There are sometimes I still really like it, but when I listen through to that record, it also really stands out in comparison to Dan's songs, which I think all have something to say, even if it's not the most even if it's not him and it's best in certain right, right. Uh, examples. So I don't know. I think the best Matt I think the the great Matt songs on this record just feel so much higher to me than this one uh-huh. does. I guess
1: that this is kind of one that I don't love this record and maybe maybe it's that that makes this one a little bit easier. For hmm. me, you know, maybe it's the fact that we're we're both kind of in agreement on uh, from here to infirmary. You just buy in at a certain point, yeah. And you know, we're both aware of why the other one doesn't like, yeah. You know, yeah. and we're, we're and we're both kind of kind of aware of like the the willingness that that we have to in certain instances accept.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about a song today that. Uh, is from the later period that I really, really love. And I think lyrically doesn't make any sense. Uh (laughs) It's just one of those things where it's like I'm willing to forgive it because I think it establishes a mood and does it well. And I do think Mr. Chainsaw does that to a point. But, yeah, it's, it's not clever in the way of... I'm trying to think of another song by... A different artist who who sings about writing a song, and I uh-huh. think you could talk about like maybe Bruce Springsteen doing like Dancing in the Dark, which right. is like very much about the process of trying to write a hit. Uh huh. And I fucking love that song. Yeah. Whereas this one, you know, it's it, Dancing in the Dark. It it's a little more opaque, right? Where I think there are people who have no idea that's what that's about. Uh huh. Um, oh yeah, totally. Y- you know, whereas this, like, there's no idea. Like, I don't know how you wouldn't understand this is what this is about,
1: right? I mean, that's an interesting way to put it. I mean, like, uh, like everything else in my life, I go to the replacements immediately, and the replacements Ooh. did a really good job. Is that Paul uh, Westerfield? It's, uh, it's Paul Wester's son. Ah, um, the replacements always throw a track into every record that's about the band. Yeah. And and it's it's an interesting, you know, point when you watch the ascent of that band where you get to a record like Let It Be where they are clearly um, you know, critical darlings right now and it's their last record before they would sign to Warner Brothers and they have a song called We're Coming Out where mm-hmm. the whole thing is one more chance to get it all wrong. Mm-hmm. This this record or sorry, uh Mr. Chainsaw has a little bit of that like meta awareness to it yeah and it's it's you know clearly about writing a song but I think it's also about like writing a record that has to be the one
0: yeah I mean that's something I think we need to talk about in full here and I think this song really opens up that dialogue a bit but like they wanted to be a big band yeah and I think they were never transparent about it. Uh-huh. You know, I think it was always behind closed doors. They wanted to be a big band, but on the, uh, the front-facing level, they wanted to be the cool band. Right. And those things are very hard to achieve. And now I know that sounds like speculation. Uh-huh. But there is an article that ran in a uh, great zine called Punk Planet um, about vagrant records called How to Ruin Everything. And this came out in 2002, this article. And the writers, Trevor Kelly and Kyle Ryan, spent like something like nine or ten months working on it. Writing about and, and really researching what was happening at Vagrant or Vagrant, however you want to say it, at the time. All the bands that they were signing. Get Up Kids, Dashboard Confessional, Hey Mercedes, Face to Face. Saves the Day. Saves the Day. No motive. like uh, And just really exploring the dichotomy between the two ends of the label. Uh-huh. And how it was an indie, Yes but they were really going for broke. You mentioned the Vagrant America tour earlier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was... In that article, they really drill into the numbers these bands were selling. And they talk about, pretty frankly, you know, a lot of drama that was happening with the Alkaline Trio at the time. But beyond that, the fact that, like, they were in meetings with Rich Egan, who owned Vagrant and was also their manager at the time. Right, and Rich Egan had manage the getup
1: kids yes which is the first big signing really for vagrant vagrant like moves from being like a comp heavy label yes and then they sign the getup kids they put out something to write home about and then they champion the fuck
0: out of that record and it explodes you know like that record and that scene Uh is doing pretty well yeah you know so by virtue of signing to vagrant like alkaline trio like is doing what i think is a smart move like they were selling a good amount of records at the time i think in that article they say that by you know whenever they were reporting it but by the time it runs in 2002 those first two albums had sold thirty thousand copies on asian man which didn't was not a huge label like that's a lot of records right if you sold thirty thousand records today like Uh you You would chart yeah not only would you chart like you would be in the top five. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's a very different world, but like, that's a lot to sell. Well, basically grassroots touring and like, you know, in the three years from God damn it to from here for me, like you have a right to want to take things to the next level. Like we yeah. are trying to evolve. There's nothing wrong with that, but some of the practices at play and so, you know, them having meetings with Rich Egan and being like, we want to open for either Blink-182 or Green Day or the Foo Fighters. Yeah and not only did they open for blink 182 eventually matt joins <laughs> blink 182 so it's like a weird it's a weird thought experiment of like would dan have joined the foo fighters at a certain point if they did that like who right. knows uh, yeah it's wild
1: it's funny that you mentioned that too because i think when after the uh pop disaster tour a little yes. sidebar but uh green day came out of that really talking shit on blink 182 and i remember mike Turn. <sighs> yeah. Being like, you know what? This band is given everything, and they've had some of the best bands in the world, like the Alkaline Trio, open for them. And I just thought of that, and I think that's a that's a very funny thing because that that that's the time of Green Day too. It's like this is before American Idiot. They're on the outs, and they're like, no, fuck
0: these guys. Well, it's funny you bring that up because yeah, like Alkaline Trio was beloved by like the biggest pop punk bands at the time. Like there were interviews about how, as a result of you know, Tom and Mark getting an alkaline trio, the lyrics on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket for Tom got darker. Oh. You know, and they talked about how they loved Matt Skiba as a lyricist. Yeah. Um, you have that Green Day example. But you also have, like, not only was, you know, uh, I think it was the Enema of the State Tour that. Uh, alkaline trio opened or maybe the one after i can't remember but it was right uh, it was between enema and take off your pants and Jackets. yeah or maybe it was a take off your pants and jacket so an, anyway but the pop disaster tour like saves the day was opening that right you know so it's like vagrant bands were getting pushed fucking hard uh-huh you know and that's all well and good and like for a band like the alkaline trio was having a lot of clout and was getting respect from like big bands in that world why would you not take the shot right you know and Th- that's hard for me to begrudge uh-huh
1: yeah yeah totally and i think that like you know i think that we both kind of hit on uh moments in this band's catalog like doing even the episodes that we've done so far where it's like it's clear what they're trying to do here and i'm game for it totally totally and excuse like, me. this song is is like we're we're the alkaline trio but you know we're trying we, we want this song to be on mtv yeah, and, and that's I'm, cool. That's dope. I'm down with it. No,
0: I I'm fine with that. And that's the thing is uh, the point I want to make is like if you're gonna commit to being like, Hey, we are we think we have something, we think we are good enough to like be on M T V be on these big tours, like don't half ass it at that point. Right. Like don't don't say like, Oh, we wanna take the step and then kind of sheepishly do it. Like just So is it go for it.
1: Is it signing to Vagrant isn't enough that you're that you're trying to say here or is that is that that vagrant is kind of a a way to do that without having to sign to MCA. Well, I think it's 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 done? potentially
0: the step, uh-huh. but but I think one of the things, and this is something they did in the Good Morning era, but it's you know them being on a label that is big enough to get them into chain stores on MTV on late night television, but then parking a tour bus in front of Gilman Street. Uh huh. You know, there was a little bit of the having our cake and eating it, too, thing. Right. And what the article in Punk Planet lays out is essentially that they were gaming the numbers a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. Vagrant. Vagrant was. Pronouns, pal. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair...
1: The Alkaline Trio is, is probably aware of this to maybe the full extent.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, they're being pushed by... Their label headed manager uh-huh. to play in-store performances at places that where the sales are weighted, so buying copies copy is more than one copy sold. Right, and then at their show that night, those stores would be there to sell the record to kids. Uh huh. You know, so they're, they're so what
1: you're what you're referring to. Let's like spell it out a little bit more. Is that Vagrant is essentially like playing the sound scan system mm-hmm. to make it so that. It seems as though by the the kind of backwards way that Soundscan actually reports which isn't exactly one to one yes um it effectively it's making it look like the Alkaline Trio is selling more records than they are totally
0: and that's something that people still do today in different ways with playlists and streams and all this shit and to me reading that in Punk Planet it's clearly meant as an indictment of them uh-huh but it's kind of hard for me to hate them for it because, like I said, if you're going to commit to being on Vagrant and you have Dashboard Confessional and the Get Up Kids and Saves the Day and all these bands really yeah, kind of on the precipice of exploding, uh-huh. some of them already big, are you going to sign and then all of a sudden be like, actually, yeah. well, you know, right. like, and they're young. Like, these dudes are early 20s.
1: Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's an interesting, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, uh, you know, uh, dichotomy, I guess, to, to lay down like, okay, here is a system that is, you know, it's integrated with uh, uh, an establishment, a major label establishment that makes it difficult for the little people. And here the little people are, and they're gaming the system, and they're, you know, they're exploiting it, and it's a good solid middle finger but it's against the rules yeah. so and whether or not that is that is a, a a proper practice is debatable but what's what's interesting is the role that the band plays yeah in all of it because you know it's you know Maybe it's presented to them as like, okay, so here's what we're gonna do. We're mm-hmm. gonna stick mm-hmm. it to Nielsen SoundScan. Sure, but, but essentially, what happens is is that they get pegged for it. Totally, and they get into some trouble. And and you know, you can you can argue that it's a good thing that you're that you're saying fuck you to the corporate structure that's that's defining this industry. But what happens is that this fucks over all the bands that are on Vagrant. <laughs> yeah, it puts uh, it puts Alkaline Trio in this position of of
0: having their big record stalled effectively totally and this affected so like all the vagrant you know hey mercedes was is the one that got hurt the most where their record got pushed months and months they're on these big tours with nothing to sell yeah no record to support really kneecap them probably for that band's entire career you know, and it, well, they didn't last long. No, and Vagrant was basically like, "We are either going to push saves the day, or we're going to push a hey Mercedes." And saves the day got the push, and yeah, look at where we are now. Right, but you know, th- there is so much drama that Could unfolds. Have been Bob Nana on that stage it's, on Milwaukee it's Avenue. It should have weird. It should have been the banana. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I and love Bob, Bob is great. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's such a weird protracted battle where. Alkaline Trio, uh, some emails get leaked, which is what a fucking weird thing to say. Like, who right. would care? But in, uh-huh. in that period, you had sites like Buddyhead who were just shitting on everybody. Yeah. And really trying to kneecap people, too. Like, just like attacking them in articles in a way that. Unless your Taylor Swift isn't happening today, right? Or Justin I mean, Timberlake. It,
1: it, it's so interesting to look back to. You know, we're talking about talking about an independent band selling thirty thousand copies of a CD, yeah. And we also have a a internet that is totally at its infancy. There's really no rules for like tact yeah. going on here, and one of the one of the craziest parts of all of it is that the best thing that you can do to get your website notice is to make as much noise as you possibly can
0: totally totally and like in the in this example like they're having emails where it's like you know uh Skiba going at rich egan trying to get the band off of vagrant and onto fat yeah which uh Fat Mike is like, N-uh-uh. which, like, uh-uh. weird ethical line for him. God yeah, bless. Like, I know. he comes out of that looking pretty good. And, you know, also fighting with their publicist. And, like, there's just a lot of drama that, you know, when I was a kid in 2001, no idea. No clue. And I didn't know about this until you lent me that issue of Punk Planet. I remember getting that issue and just being like, whoa. Yeah. And, you know, I've definitely heard that. Though everything seemed to be kosher between Vagrant and the trio, like I definitely know that they feel the trio feels that Vagrant didn't push Crimson as hard as they should have, didn't put as much behind it, didn't really. And I wonder how much of it is because of how really toxic that entire relationship was.
1: Yeah, it would be interesting because that article it ends and it runs in 2002, right? So there's like you know years that happen afterwards where it'd be really interesting to kind of look into the fallout of what happened for that label that totally continues on going back to my friend Paul Westenham mm-hmm. uh put records out on it the fucking Holt steady put out two of the, the biggest records of, of the last 15 years on that label mm-hmm. um but it's it's an interesting game that that they tried to play, that they got popped for, you know, not only do, do they end up getting sued by, uh, was it their distributor? Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I still don't understand distribution when you have the label, but anyway. Um, yeah. Vagrant really, like, comes off as just, like, committing shoddy business practices. And I think what Punk Planet does really well to frame that is is they do it at the expense of their bands.
0: Yep, yep. And it's just interesting because like now there's not really someone who would do an investigative report to this level because, I mean, the industry is so broken. I think everyone's just kind of like, get what you can get, man. Right. And, you know, as we've progressed through this decade and I've seen all these things change from when I first read that, you know, back when it came out, I'm much softer on it because no one's getting paid for shit. Yeah, you know, and the people up top are so able to take advantage of it with like these, you know. And now it's even worse. Where the same person's probably buying the record so many times to maybe be able to get tickets to see a band live. You know, uh-huh. it's just like it's all so gross now that like looking back on it, yeah, what Vagrant was doing was wrong. Yeah, the alkaline tree was participating in that, but the entire industry's bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, is this a, any it's a, better? It's a bad
1: yeah right is it any better N- no i mean that guy's that guy comes off as kind of a sleaze but you kind of have to be a sleaze
0: if you're right? yeah and you know it's it's he was able to really create something that i think now is looked back purely with rose-colored shades of like wow like early 2000s vagrant was incredible yeah but uh you know at the time That shit was really, it was looked at from a lot of people with a lot of disdain. Yeah, totally. You know.
1: And I mean, it's interesting to to look at it and look at it in terms of, you know, someone like Fat Mike, who you would not expect to come off as like the, uh, the source of ethical goodness in mm. anything is the one that's like, no, this is that's not the fucking way to
0: do it. And also, like, it, you know, it makes sense that the tree would try and jump over there because at the time Fat was doing pretty well. They were doing Fat America tours. You know, yeah they were about to get bands like rise against who would and against me who would rock it upward, you know, like it wouldn't have been a bad move. It would have been a different one. And I don't know if alkaline trio, would it be looked at the same way if that's the label they would have ended up on. Um, but ultimately, you know, the, the history of from here to infirmary and the history of v- vagrant is, you know, it's much weirder and much darker than I think uh, most people are aware of.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, eighteen minutes later, we got we got uh, Mr. Chainsaw the second song from here to infirmary, which I mean it's I think similar to where you were on Armageddon. For me, it's just like man, this is nice. This is a this is a a box of nerds. I got look, I got purple ones and I got pink ones too, and I I like both of these flavors. You know, boy, we're a real box of
0: nerds, you and I. Um what well, you rate this song. I give this song three chainsaws out of five. Really? Yeah. That's
1: a pretty high rating for some for all the uh, kind of. Eh, yeah. Well,
0: here's it. the thing. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on about ratings a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like we live in a time where I think negative reviews are just actually saying something's average. Yeah. You know, like if something <laughs> I write a lot of music reviews. Yeah. I like gave something a C minus, which uh-huh. is just saying like eh, it's like a just. Right. Ever so slightly below average. Right. If I would have just given it a C, which is like middle of the road, people would be like, whoa, Uh-huh. that's wild. Yeah. And like, if I would have given the song a 2.5, that would be like, this is average. This is right in the middle. Yeah. Most things in life are average. Uh-huh. <laughs> Most music is average. This is slightly above.
1: I like, I like that you got, you got a, a really nice weighted scale. And I think that it it takes in so much of existence, you know. It's uh, it's it's Camus, but it's also it's aware, you know. It's 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 a little bit of pension, and uh, I mean, really, who's Camel? I give this song, yeah, I give this song a three out of five as well. Weird. And um, <laughs> but you know, when I when I rated from here to infirmary i believe i gave it a two and a half out of five because it's you know it's it's not offensive to me but it's also not very good in my opinion but this this one's like just a little bit better and it's funny to me that it that it's uh it's really what the whole record is and i'm okay with it in this you know instance and then there's other times when i'm like no no
0: no, I mean I definitely think this record is going to cause the most kind of back and forth where like I, like I might like a song a little bit more but I think I'm not in love with it. Yeah. You know like I and this is one of those. This is exactly a song where it's like I like it. Uh-huh. but I also think it's dumb and I don't love it. I think there are much better songs on this record but it's also to me maybe not the worst song on this record. Yeah. And I, and I'm also trying to group in the the songs like we gave In Vain a 2. Uh-huh. spoiler alert if you've not listened to that episode and it's like i really dislike that song yeah but i know what the point fives and the ones are uh-huh you know and yeah. so it's it's a weighted average if i know what a five is i know what a point 0.5 is uh-huh this is not directly in the middle it's not yeah average you know, uh-huh. I, I would rather listen to this than something that's a 2.5 yeah
1: well i i, I just think that dan is uh dan is an above average fellow and Bad for Dan is is just gonna be two out of five for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Where Matt, I just no, this is fucking bad. Yeah, no, I, I that's a conversation for another day.
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do love, I do love like that, that. Every Matt song that we've talked about, whether whether we like it or not, we talk about how m- bad Matt songs can be.
0: <laughs> and here's the here's the thing. Here's I'm I'm gonna. uh, you might want to bleep this out. Here's the fucked up part, uh-huh. Tim, is you've not even heard <laughs> what I consider to be the worst of Matt songs yet. And when we get there, I don't know if you're prepared for what's going to come out of me.
1: Well, hey, it could happen next week. Maybe it will. And I invite you to join us next week and, and subscribe to, to the podcast on iTunes and... You know, tell friends about it. Um, we are on Twitter. I'm at Better Yet Pod. He is at DB Anthony. Hit us up. Uh, it's been such a joy to just get these Truly. random notifications from people who are just like, dude, you're right. That song is bad. Also, Tim, you sound cool. Do you want to hang out? Um you know, that's that's enli- that, that enlivens me up, but it's 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 nice hearing from you. It's nice, uh, to find out that the show is getting out there and that people are enjoying it. They're enjoying the the trips down memory lane and the hot takes and the information and just the bond of friendship mm-hmm. that happens throughout, um which you know I'm I'm joking a little bit but also the whole reason that we do this thing is because we like hanging out with each other and it's a good excuse for us to 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 talk shit and to hang out every week so um you know it's it's a total joy and it's 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 awesome that y'all are enjoying it and uh you know we 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 hope to to continue on and to continue the conversation
0: I found out yesterday that you were I it past took a blow torch to bell by my nose a long time ago and every step that I could take, it's more difficult to make the step chains are getting into my legs. a long did that work as a bit
1: yeah it was a good bit
0: i also forgot to mention one thing i really wanted to say in this episode but it's such a throwaway thing which is that there was like a live version of the song they released for like a blood pla- blood packed exclusive uh-huh and like matt trips over one of the lines the line i just yeah. picked it out and he like stumbles over the leaving part and afterwards he's like, he is doing banter. He's like he's like, Yeah, I just realized that uh that line is I found out yesterday that you are leaving and leaving is the singer from fear. So when I said that I just got really confused. <laughs> and it's very funny.
1: That would be crazy if I found out that you were leaving. That's a great uh Saturday Night Live performance.
0: Yeah, it is.